and welcome to Series 5, Episode 2 of The Educators. I am Angela Fares and I'm the founder of Full Circle Educational Consultancy. And we work with schools, independent, online and international, to help them develop different success pathways for students. This series is very important to me personally. It's, it's looking at women in education who are innovators and who are here to make a difference socially and with regards to inclusion and in terms of looking at alternative ways to achieve success for everybody and I'm absolutely delighted this afternoon to welcome Andrine Allen who is the founder of AA Educates. Andrine, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Angela. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And Andrine, I was introduced to you at the Business Women in Education event a few months ago, and we started talking about AA Educates, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, before we start, I'm just going to kind of read to our listeners a little bit about you, your as I said, the founder of AA Educates, a, a fully qualified teacher, intervention specialist and a Shine Ambassador, member of the PwC Social Entrepreneurs Club, a motivational speaker, mindset coach. And you were recently named one of the top 100 women by NatWest Wise 100, who recognised you as one of the most inspiring and influential women in social enterprise, impact investment and mission driven business. You also sit on the advisory board of the Social Enterprise Founder Vine, which helps ambitious leaders create, test and sustain entrepreneurial ventures. Firstly, congratulations, Andrina, on all you've achieved alongside AA Educates. It's quite an accolade. Thank you, Angela. It's it's nice hearing it because sometimes when you're just doing and taking one step at a time, you don't realise how far you've come. So it's it's nice hearing it. Thank you. We've had a, a few conversations over the weeks and we spoke the other day about AA Educates. And really, you have a very simple mission. And you say that's to diversify achievement and to ensure that high attainment and high aspirations are inclusive for all students. Can you tell us just in a few sentences what AA Educates does and and what's the why behind AA Educates? And, And I think you've got a story behind that as well, which it would be great if you could share with our listeners. Yeah, so um, our main aim at AA Educates is to bridge the attainment and aspiration gap between state and private schools. Now, we aim to do that by just simply delivering education differently. And that's our main aim. The reason why I got into education so heavily is because when I was 16 years old, a group of friends and I went to go and collect our GCSE results. Now, that's just a normal process for normal 16 year olds. But I had one friend in particular, his name was Frank. And he just appeared so distraught when he got his results. And being 16, I didn't quite understand what he was going through. So I comforted him as best as I could and then thought nothing of it. And then two days later, he had taken his life and he took his life because of the fact that he didn't get the attainment results that he he so desperately desired. And that weighed heavy on me for months. And for weeks, I questioned myself thinking what I could have done I went and spoke to other adults. I spoke to his teachers. And I realised that the problem was actually coming from a systematic issue, which we face. And the only way for me to make an impact was to get in and help from the inside. So that's why I qualified as a teacher in 2013. Um, So coming up to my 10th teaching year and it's just been, you know, a roller coaster and having the insights to see how huge the gap and the divides are in two different sectors. So so what are you doing to, to try and 
reduce that gap? I know that you're doing some tutoring, but is it bigger than that? What does AI Educates do to kind of ensure that that gap is is addressed? So what made me actually start AA Educates, funny enough, is I have always worked with the disadvantaged students and, you know, in deprived areas. And there was a spotlight shed during COVID in 2020 when schools went into um, closures and education moved online. I noticed that, you know, a good 80% of my class was not showing up to my online lessons. So I just assumed the worst, started to call parents thinking my students have caught COVID. And I just heard, you know, stories of parents having no internet access. There's no laptops. There's four families sharing one, one, one living room, essentially oh, one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think, well, if these children are the ones that were already behind in academically, when they get back to school after such a long period of no education, they're going to be, you know, even further behind. So I just thought, how can I make a bigger impact now? Because it brought back so many memories of my friend who didn't get what he wanted. And I know the outcome, you know, it can, the devastation it can have. So I got a group of friends and I together. So there was nine tutors all together. And I said, how about we start something where we're delivering tuition to, you know, the families that cannot afford it and distributing laptops and how can we, you know, keep them in education? So that's what we did every week. Me and my tutors, we delivered online education in English, math and science once a week. And we had 40 students just organically sign up. So the demand was there. So we literally hit the ground running. Now we partnered with a foundation who was providing the laptops and providing the funding. When schools went back into, um, you know, after lockdown, the foundation that was supporting us said, right, job done. You know, this is amazing. We've, what a great team. And they signed off. And I was thinking, no, 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 actually, now is the time that we really need to put the, our foot on their gas because we've had so much interest. The children, the parents were so grateful for the, the extra tuition and the students wanted to come back. They were self-signed. So we knew that the demand was there. So I thought, right, what could I do? So I went back to square one and said, let's look at the education system as a whole. And how can we, I started to look for the problems that were you know, embedded in our system and thought, right, how do we start to weed those problems out? Because I think sometimes it's easy to, look at the bigger picture, but we have to start looking at the smaller detail as well and how our education system can work more effectively for the children that aren't achieving or, you know, reaching their full potential. So I compare the state sector with the private sector and realise that there's so much that the two sectors can learn from each other if they just created partnerships, created relationships. So then I started to look at the attainment of the two and realised that if you are in a private school, you are 91% more likely to get a grade A to C in English, Math and Science, as opposed to if you was going to a state school where the average attainment result is 41%. And that's pass rate in A to C, English, Math and Science. So as you can see, there's a clear gap And we just wanted to, I just wanted to start to understand, well, what's the cause? Why is there such a big gap? If the knowledge is the same, one plus one is two anywhere you go, then it must be the delivery. It must be how they do things. What systems do they have in place? So when I started to study that, and I've realized that in private schools or independent schools, some people like to know them as, it's not that they have better teachers, it's the fact that they have more options. So If you have more options, you're more likely to excel in something because, you know, if you're not 
academically gifted, let's say, you'll always have an option to feel confident, to feel like you can achieve. And then it inspires children. So education doesn't feel like a pressure or a task. Whereas if you compare that to the state sector, there's such a heavy focus on English, math and science and attainment and tests and making sure you pass. And we we push children to work towards their SATs. When they get to secondary school, they're pushed toward, to work towards their GCSEs. And we realise that it's obviously it's it's very, you know, good. And you are academically, if you're academic, academically smart, you excel. But we are creating children that are just good at doing tests. They are just good under pressure. They know how to pass a test. But in private schools, the children are more well-rounded. They come out of education feeling inspired. They feel like the world's their oyster, they can achieve anything because they had so many options available to them that they at least found one thing that they were good at that built their confidence and they associate learning with aspiration and excelling. Whereas the state school students, they were pushed to test. They associate school with pressure, with you know testing, with feeling like I have to achieve a certain grade or I'm not good enough. And then therefore they're not coming out of school associated with aspiration. They associate school with pressure, with I don't want to go back. They feel like the walls close in on them. And that's what, when you look at society, you realize that you've got some people that keep going and they keep learning. So 50% of private school students go on to higher education. Now the, the statistics is halved in the state school. So why do some children develop this love for learning when others just don't want to go back. In state schools, students normally leave secondary school at 16 and don't want to see another test. They don't want to see another book because they're so done with the pressure. So I think that's a deep rooted issue. And we have to start to look at, you know, the good things that each do and think, how can I trickle down some of the good things from the private school to the state sector? And how can I use the state sector to help the private sector? Because I think there's crossovers and there's pros and cons to both, but it's about using the strengths that they both have, sharing those strengths, and surely that builds attainment and that builds aspirations. So what we've done to kind of really hone in on the issue is we've said, okay, we're going to have, go into state schools, select students that have the ability to do well, but they have some barrier to their learning. So on our program, we have students that, um, are working at a level four to a level seven as their predicted grade in GCSE. However, they have English as an additional language or they have, you know, really bad circumstances at home where they may not have internet access or um, there's a digital divide. And we take those students and we put them into a private school for a day. So they get to immerse themselves in, you know, that type of quality education. They are able to have their extracurricular activities, go and visit their dorms, just almost experiencing what it would be like to have a £32,000 education, let's say. And after we take them from the private school, then they go back to their school and they're not just, you know, plucked away and that's it. They then build a relationship with that private school and the teachers from the private school second an hour every fortnight to tutor those students in English, math and science at a really high level. So at the moment we have teachers that have PhDs, that are ex-examiners, that have masters in their chosen discipline. So it really gives them that mastery level of learning. And then we also have on a Saturday, a mindset program 
which we start to develop develop the students attitude towards learning sorry that was a long answer yeah no it's it's phenomenal you're doing so much that's really important and personally I've worked in both the state and the private sector Um, it was always this question of why can't we bring them together and why can't they learn from each other and why can't there be more interaction but I just think that it was just there wasn't kind of the organization like AA educates to be able to you know start those partnerships and start those relationships and saying we can make this happen so it's fantastic you're doing it and I'm really interested the thing that that I noticed when you know I I worked in both state and independent was as you said that kind of sense of self-confidence that independent school students and children have from having you know the chance to try lots of different things and to find what their passion is and what they're good at because when you find what you're good at and you do it it obviously gives you confidence you mentioned very briefly about your mindset um and when we were talking the other day about you know is this is this working is this really making a difference and you said yes and and mentioned about you know the the impact of the the kind of mentoring and mindset would you would you talk to us a little bit more about that about how that works and and what you've seen yes absolutely so I think why our program is so unique is because we start with the mind. And as we know, as humans, everything starts with our mind. So once you start to change the children's attitudes, because I think it's an attitude you have towards learning, whether you excel or you don't reach your full potential, it's all about if you think you can. And we start to develop the children from the inside out. So we look at the soft skills, which we know builds those hard skills. Every Saturday we have our mindset coaching and it's targeted at building the children's resilience, their determination, their attitude towards learning, their focus. We look at time management, we look at procrastination, we look at things like how to deal with failure, how to deal with success. Because I think once the children have that kind of psychological safety where they feel like they can make a mistake and they can grow from them rather than I make a mistake and I've been judged, then they start to you know, feel that confidence that, okay, I can go and do it. Someone does believe in me. There is someone giving me that push because a lot of children don't have that push at home, don't have the same expectations. So then they, you know, become a bit lazy or they think, you know, I don't have to be the best that I can be. But we encouraged each child to question themselves and to figure out what is it that they're passionate about. And we talk about passions and how you identify passions because People sometimes don't even know what a passion is or what they want to be. So we pull out their talents, look at what they can do and ask them, what do you love doing? If you could think of one thing you could do for the rest of your life and if money wasn't an issue, what would it be? And then that's how we start to build their passions. And, you know, we we drive kind of always thinking and being conscious of what your thoughts are telling you and how you feel. And then that that just seems to translate in the academic stuff because then they have higher expectations of themselves. They know someone's going to be looking, they're getting that support, they're feeling confident, they understand how to use their resilience and they start to build those soft skills to harden the harder skills. So yeah, that, that's fantastic. And I, I'm just wondering, what does it look like? How do these partnerships start? If I'm a head of an independent school, you know, how, how do I could start working with you in the same, how do you start working with, with the state schools and find the students, I guess? So first of all, the school, age range that we work with is 11 to 16 but we have a particular focus on GCSE children that are taking their GCSEs so in year 10 year 11 and what we do we initially go to the state school and we talk about our program talk about what we want to do the outcomes the impact we want to have and we have program pods of 10 so our cohorts are in groups of 10 and the state school they're the ones that 
handpick the students based on our criteria. So we want children need to be working at between level four and level seven. And again, like I mentioned, have some type of academic or social barrier to their learning, which is almost stopping them from fulfilling their full potential. So, you know, students that have circumstances which are not conducive to learning, students that have just come to England or students that suffer with anxiety or confidence issues. Those type of students are the ones that we kind of focus on, on our programme. Once we have the students, the school then hand their, their data over. So we know what their attainment levels are. We know what their predicted grades are, what levels they're working at. We know all that kind of academic stuff as well as the personal stuff. So if you know, we've got a child that's on a social care register, we know those type of things because that helps us with the mindset stuff as well. Once all that's in place, then we match them with a private school. The private school actually get a choice of what state schools they work with because sometimes there's a, a particular connection between the two schools and we like to give the private school the choice because they're the ones that will be supporting the school. And it's nicer when they have a connection, whether it be, you know, they have the same sex or they have similar values. It just all depends. And then the students from the state school then go and spend the day in the private school and have their lessons, you know, go to the dorms, have their activities. Once they come back to their school, they then have fortnightly tuition in English, math and science with the private school um, teachers. So the private school teachers second an hour every two weeks to tutor those students and it's done remotely. We put, we've done it remotely so that there's no geographical issues. So any school can partner with any school, doesn't matter the locations. Then once they have their tuition, they are set homework, they stay in touch, they have buddies where they can you know, access debate clubs, things like that. Then on a Saturday, they have the mindset mentorship. Now the students, how we initially assess our impact on what we're doing is they fill out a form to begin with and they talk about their personal achievements, what, what their goals are. They talk about what they want to be when they're older. You know, if they could envision themselves in 10 years time, what would they be doing? So we kind of look at all the soft skills and then we've already got the data from the school. And we also take a sample of students from the school that are not on our program that are working at a similar ability. That way we can almost really cement what we're saying and say, actually, we had a sample group who wasn't on our program and a sample group that was on our program. And the only difference between the two is our program and these ones were able to excel. So that's another way where we, you know, monitor our impact. So our last cohort that we've had, they just gave so much amazing feedback. They were talking about their confidence being boosted. They're talking about their grades going up. When we looked at the data, we made a significant impact in just under a year, academic year, sorry, where we had 17% increase in attainment, which kind of equates to students going up two sub-levels. And it's just been really, really good. We've seen the impact and both schools want to sign up again for another year. We've got interest from Southwark Council. We've got interest from 
I think a few other private schools as well and many state schools. Uh, it's just phenomenal to hear <laughs> how much work is going into this to kind of really, I guess the government tried to do levelling up, but this is real levelling up actually on the ground and in somewhere which really matters, which is in education. If you were to kind of say anything to those listeners and we have listeners from all over the world we have listeners who are senior leaders in education and policy makers and yeah a, a lot of people who are very keen to see a change in education what would your message be to them from AA Educates and uh, yeah what would you what would you like to happen after this podcast so I think the best and most effective way that our program would work is if we were embedded in schools so actually have our school our program in schools as their internal intervention system so therefore we are already there if there's a child that you know requires assistance whether it be support with confidence we realize that their attainment could go up some sub levels and they just fill out a form and we're already there where you know it's not remote anymore it's face to face and that will take so much pressure off schools because we know teachers have so much already on their plates and to have to think about interventions and to run them, we take that pressure off schools. And I think having our approach, it's not only building attainment, but they know what they're doing when they leave school. They have those aspirations already built in and we believe in early intervention. So the earlier we can start, then it just makes it lifelong habits rather than us trying to cram in new new beliefs into someone that's already has them so cemented. And, and what about a message to independent school heads? Because I know you and I were talking about really this should be an amazing opportunity for independent schools to fulfil their charitable status and to to kind of grow their understanding of, of the other parts of the education system out there. What would your message to them be? Yeah, so absolutely. So most private schools, I should say, sorry, are registered charities and they get up to £100 million every year in tax relief because of their charitable status. So it's important that they fulfil their charitable status because it's something that they're recognised for. Now, many schools, which is a good thing, what they do is they provide bursaries for disadvantaged students, underserved students. And that bursary normally is between you know, 14 to 32,000 pounds every year. And that can only impact one child. Whereas our programme, it's a fraction of the cost and it can impact 10 students for an academic year. And the results are likely to have a lifelong impact because they're getting so much more and they get to stay in their environment. And what normally happens with private schools they tend to work with the schools that are in their local attachment area. Now, what happens with that is if the private school is already in an affluent area, the local state school is very likely to also be in that area, which is going to be affluent. And they are not really helping or targeting the children that really, really need it. So that's why we're trying to ask private schools to come out of their comfort zone and to really reach out to the students that would have it would have more impact on and I think it's important to start to understand what the bigger issue here is at hand and how we can use education to grow the next generation and not just churn out the working world it's about growing the next generation so that they can start to believe that they can have anything and they can do anything regardless of their social 
circumstances. Andrew, and on that note, I think in terms of bringing us all together and that seems to be increasingly what we're trying to do as a country, um, it's, it's really commendable what you're doing to try and bridge that gap and to try and help us help each other and to really ensure that everybody, as you say, your mission is simple to diversify achievement, that we all work together to that through both independent and state schools. I'd like to thank you so much for being a guest on The Educators and congratulate you on being such an inspirational educator and female educator and really looking forward to seeing AA Educates grow and your mission being fulfilled and hopefully we'll have lots of inquiries from independent schools after this to AA Educates wanting to get involved in your program. Thank you Angela it was a pleasure speaking to you thank you so much. That's it for another insightful episode with Angela Fairs from Full Circle and thank you for listening. To get in touch with Angela check out her website it's fullcircle-education.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.